Well, good morning and welcome to worship. The snow that we've been promised hasn't arrived yet. There were one or two light flakes falling just as I walked down to the church, but it hasn't come. I think folk in the East Coast and down South are going to get worse, but it certainly is a cold day outside and most of us anyway um, are cozied up at home and um, can enjoy being at worship, but doing so within the comfort and confines of our own house. Um, just a couple of things. First of all, some of us, I know, do listen to the Radio 4 service on a Sunday morning. And if we did, I'm sure we were greatly encouraged by the service this morning taken by um, some parts of the Chinese church here in the United Kingdom. Um, many of us will know that many years ago, a large number of people from Hong Kong came over to work in the various restaurants and other establishments up and down our, our land. I sat beside a, a fellow whose family had just come from Hong Kong way back in the 1970s in school. And, and through that work and through the, the community that came into Glasgow and other big cities, a church was established, a thriving Christian church, a Chinese Christian fellowship, a church that meets in Glasgow, congregations that David Miller, for instance, in the past were involved with. Um, these churches have grown over many years and are now preparing themselves for a fresh input of people from Hong Kong due to the present crisis within that part of China. Um, many are now using their passports, their British overseas passports, to consider coming over to the United Kingdom, and they're going to be welcomed here. Uh, it was a very encouraging program, a great testimony of God's grace and mercy. Great to hear not only um, normal traditional hymns in a sense, ones that we would know, but also many of their own items of praise and worship. So can I commend it to you? If you have BBC Sounds, then you can go on to that and you'll be able to hear the service. And particularly as our friends within the Chinese community celebrate the Chinese New Year, let's remember the work of the gospel and of the church within that community within our own country. And then secondly, our men's group will be meeting on Thursday evening. We meet fortnightly online at the moment. We were meeting here as a fellowship group. We're now back online. And we're going to be looking at the theme of the fatherhood of God. That's been suggested by one of the guys who comes along. And if you're a man in the congregation and you would like to be part of that, then either go back on your emails that you got from Helen and find the, the various Zoom details, or else contact me before Thursday evening. And you're more than welcome to join us at that. Although, obviously, our hope is that sooner rather than later we'll be able to re-meet in, in person rather than online. We do want to thank Helen Uwe and Ian McQuarrie for what they sent out to us week by week over these last 10 months. I know many of us appreciated both the pointers of, for prayer that Ian gave out and also the very helpful thoughts each week that Helen did. They did a good work, but both of them have done their work. Uh, it's now time to try and move on. We want to express our appreciation to them for that ministry and service. But we'd also want to encourage you, if you don't already have a copy of the prayer guide, the UF prayer guide, and I have this week sent out a number of copies to people who don't, then if you don't have a copy, then you're more than welcome to be able to receive a copy. Um, just again, contact myself and you'll be able to receive one. Um, I think that's all the intimations. Um, let's just quieten our hearts together now in prayer. God, our Father, as we come together this morning, we gather in your presence. We would be still and know that you are God. We would thank you that you are the God who meets with your people wherever they gather, in their own homes, out in the open air, or in the quietness of this sanctuary. And so we ask, O oh God, our Father, that wherever we are and whoever we are, we pray, O oh God, that by your Spirit you would meet with us. 
we ask, O oh Lord, that you would quieten our hearts. Perhaps some of us have very real concerns going on at the present time. Many of us will have received our first dose of vaccine and will be waiting and wanting to get the second dose when it comes so that we feel confident at being able to go out. Many of us will be wondering when we're going to get it and we'll be asking about that. Others of us, Lord, will not have the vaccine and will simply be left wondering if we're safe going out and about doing our daily business. Others of us, Lord, are dealing with daily life, with working life, with the challenge of that. And so we do pray, O oh God, our Father, that whoever we are and whatever our circumstances, whatever our situation, we do ask, O oh God, our Father, that by your Spirit, you would meet with us now. Help us to lay aside whatever else is going on in our minds. And help us to look up and look out. The word of the psalmist. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the air. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. And so, Lord, whoever we are and whatever our circumstances, in a place of peace or in a place of concern, meet with your people, we pray. And through the working of your Holy Spirit, may we truly ascribe to you the splendor and the majesty and the honor and glory due to your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We're going to hear our opening hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. Let's pray together. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. How we long for that day. Your church longs for that day when it can gather together to do just that. Then our hearts... We set apart Jesus Christ as Lord. Our bodies are temples of your Holy Spirit. And so we offer you our worship, the one who rules and reigns in majesty and might, before whom the cherubim and seraphim fall down. Forgive us for taking you so lightly, for squeezing you into the rest of our lives. 
for committing that most grievous of sins, the sin of idolatry, where we offer the worship of who we are and what we have, not to you, O God, the creator and sustainer of all that is and our redeemer in Jesus Christ, but where we offer ourselves over the God of materialism, the God of self-interest, the dark gods of fear and paranoia, the God of lust, the God of greed, the God of pride. Have mercy upon us, O God. And as we hear your word, Speak, Lord, in the stillness while we wait on you and hush our hearts to listen in expectancy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A couple of folk, you might have thought I was somewhat distracted. I was looking up a call who's in duty this morning. And we had a couple of folk just came to the door there. And a couple of folk out for a walk, I think, just looking in through the door of the church. And last Sunday morning, when after the service, when I was saying um, cheerio to um, Janice Clark Dick, the office bearer who was on duty, I was outside. I noticed a fellow across the street taking a photograph of the church building. And, and I was somewhat intrigued, of course, so I, I shouted across the street and we got into a conversation. And eventually, after a, a conversation, decided it really wasn't the thing and it wasn't very easy to carry out a conversation shouting across the, the street. Social distancing is one thing, but really that was taking it a bit far. So he came across the road and I came down the steps and we stood outside. A guy, and if you're listening, friend, this morning, it was lovely to chat with you last week. A guy who had been up in his late 30s maybe into his 40s, a fellow with a partner with two kids, lives up in View Park, somebody who has a job at the present time, thankfully. Um, but as we got chatting, he's a photographer, he likes walking around, and he particularly had been taken by the, the light and the clouds that were appearing in the sky and the outline of our church steeple, spire. Um, in the contrast to that, we talked a wee bit about the church and its history and various things like that. And then he began to chat about things that were of concern to him, things that are very common concern. As I've gone about over this past 10 months into the shops and chatted to people locally, as some folks have come in here and as we've spoken over the past months, um, it's very clear that while, yes, people are abiding by the rules and regulations, um, very few people, I've certainly not met no one who's a denier of the reality of COVID. Indeed, this fellow is a wider family, they had had people who had suffered from COVID. He had had elderly relatives, again within the wider family, that had died in nursing homes during this period, hadn't been able to see them because of the COVID crisis. Um, but nonetheless, as a working man with family, with children, homeschooling and everything else, he was asking questions. And that was encouraging. Because at the end of the day, one of the signs of our openness to things spiritual and to things that are important to consider is the fact that people start asking 
questions. That doesn't mean that we're rebels, doesn't mean that we're COVID deniers or anti-vaccine, doesn't mean that we're ardent Brexiteers or up for Scottish nationalism, it doesn't mean that we have lost our brains or have signed up to a British version of QAnon. But what it does mean, and what is vital, is that people begin to think, begin to ask questions, begin to consider, begin to reflect. How sad it is, unfortunately, so many people within the church have seemingly laid their brains aside over these last months and don't ask questions and aren't thinking. But there are many, many, probably the majority actually, in many ways in our society outside the church, that are asking questions, not just to do with the present crisis, but what kind of country we're going to have at the end of it. What kind of future our children are going to have. Questions about the care of the elderly and the balance within our society. Of course, many of you will know one of the reasons why we have such a high death rate is a society we are grossly imbalanced. We have a very large number of frail elderly or people who are chronically sick who are only kept going because of pills and potions supplied by the NHS and are therefore more vulnerable to the consequences of COVID. How are we going to deal with that in these coming years? And just in a short conversation for 15 minutes or so outside the doors of the church, I was encouraged and I remembered the words of Jesus. Those who ask will receive, those who seek will find, and those who knock, a door will be opened to them. And can I encourage you, you know, instead of chasing after perhaps even family members or others who frankly are not the slightest bit interested, never ask questions, certainly not of you, and just go on with their lives, in one sense, shake the dust off your feet and prayerfully be open to those who are asking, those who are seeking, those who are knocking, not because our first line of defense is to talk to them about Jesus and certainly not to take the Bible out and hit it over their head, but is to listen is to reflect with them and is to help them to hear something of the wisdom of God. The book of Proverbs, hence the reason why we were looking at it back in the autumn. And there are folks who are doing just that at this present time. And that was encouraging because it is very easy as we turn to the book of Ezekiel. It is very easy for me as a preacher and for you as listeners to say, well, that was all very interesting. But what does that mean for our life, for the life of faith and for the calling of the church in the world today? And I hope this wee story and what we're going to reflect on will help us to see it has great relevance to the calling of the Christian and the calling of the church and that's important, that corporate concept, the, the spirit of individualism, which is dominant in our age, has little place in the Bible or in the story of God's people, both from the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I in my small corner and you in mine and socially distanced, we do our own thing, it does not fulfill and is not part of the Bible story of the people of God. And if, as part of the people of God, you've done your homework, well, you'll get a gold star. At least, maybe not from me, but you might get a gold star when you get to the pearly gates. If you've been reading through the book of Ezekiel, I know it's not easy. I certainly made that clear. I know it's not easy. But it's vital if you're going to get the broad sweep of what God is saying to us from his word. And so I'm not going to try in any way at all to fully... Um, 
go through these chapters, but we are going to pick up some of the main points this morning and probably again next Sunday. What was the issue at stake? We've been looking at the story of Ezekiel the Watchman. In some ways last Sunday as I stood up on that platform outside the church and spoke over to that guy. First and foremost, I thought, this is not good. I'm up there and he's down here, so let's get on a level keel. And, and Ezekiel was, in a sense, called to speak out into his world, his, his, the people round about him, and to bring God's word to bear. And that involved him not secluding himself in the comforts of his home, but as you've read these chapters, it involved him doing some very weird things. And particularly involved him acting out physically, both by lying on his side, by packing up a bag and going on a excellent journey and by most of all by shaving his beard which for a man of his age from the priestly class would have been a great offensive thing to do but by all of these outward things he was demonstrating he was providing a visual aid to the people of God's word to the nations and we too are called to incarnate the message to be on the level plane, not up on a platform above others, but to get alongside. That, again, is one of my real concerns, why the impact of all of this has caused many of us to retreat into our own little bubbles. We talk about that, don't we? And fair enough, there is a sense, of course, which, of course, we have our bubble where we feel safe and where we can meet with family. But, my friends, again, that does not sit well, certainly with me or, indeed, with many of my colleagues as ministers and pastors of the people of God. We're called not to be secluded and kept safe in our own little domain. We're called to be out and about where the people are. And well, that might not be done in physical terms. It might be done online. It might be done by telephone conversation. It might be done by cards. It might be done by WhatsApp messages or whatever else. Nonetheless, we are called to engage on the plane. And Ezekiel was doing that literally on the plains of Babylon. He was acting out and living out incarnationally the word of God. And in particular, what was the issue at stake? What was the issue at stake? Well, if you want to turn to chapter 13 of the book of Ezekiel, chapter 13, we see what that particular issue was. Let me read part of it to you from verse 8 of chapter 13. Well, actually, no. Let's read from verse 1. Verse 1 of chapter 13. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are, not pro who are now prophesying. Say to those who prophesy out of their own imagination, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets, Israel, are like jackals among ruins. You have not gone up to the breaches in the wall to repair it for the people of Israel so that it will stand firm in the battle on the day of the Lord. Their visions are false and their divinations a lie. Even though the Lord has not sent them, they say, the Lord declares and expect him to fulfill their words. Have you not seen false visions and uttered lying divinations when you say, the Lord declares, though I have not spoken? 
Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Because of your false words and lying visions, I am against you, declares the sovereign Lord. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They will not belong to the council of my people or be listed in the records of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the sovereign Lord. Because they lead my people astray, saying, Peace, when there is no peace, and because when a flimsy wall is built, they cover it with whitewash, therefore tell those who cover it with whitewash that it's going to fall. Rain will come in torrents, and I will send hailstones hurtling down, and violent winds will burst forth. When the wall collapses, will people not ask you, where is the whitewash you covered it with? Therefore this is what the Sovereign Lord says, in my wrath I will unleash a violent wind, and in my anger, hailstones and torrents of rain will fall with destructive fury. I will tear down the wall you have covered with whitewash and will level it to the ground so that its foundations will be laid bare. When it falls, you will be destroyed in it and you will know that I am the Lord. So I will pour out my wrath against the wall and against those who covered with whitewash. I will say to you, the wall is gone and so are those who whitewashed it. Those prophets of Israel who have prophesied to Jerusalem and saw visions of peace for her when there was no peace, declares the sovereign Lord. And then he goes on with a particular message about female prophets and what's going to happen to them. You can read that on if you haven't already later. Now, of course, I'm well aware we need to have some understanding of the context of what the prophet Ezekiel is saying. If you remember, you might not, but if you remember, Ezekiel was one of those who, in a sense, were the first lot to go into exile. Nebuchadnezzar had besieged Jerusalem. He had come up against Jerusalem, against Judah. Judah had been playing power politics. They had tried to play Egypt off against Babylon. Egypt had been failed. They had been put in their place militarily. They had retreated. Judah became a victim of the growing power of Babylon. They had tried again to buy off Babylon. That hadn't worked. And there had been a siege. And in that siege, a first tranche of people had been taken off into exile. However, however, the majority of the people were left. A puppet king was put in power in Jerusalem. The, the outwardly things carried on as before. And Babylon didn't knock down the walls or destroy the city. Nebuchadnezzar took some of the things from the palace and from the temple, some of the gold and silver and other things. He had taken certainly a good amount of stuff, but the actual fabric and structure of society had been left. But during that period, when there really were, in a sense, a vassal state, there were these false prophets. There always had been. Again, you need to really know the story of the Old Testament. That's why on a Sunday evening over a few years, a number of, a couple of years ago, we spent time on a Sunday night reading through, call and remember, a faithful attender, evening service. We read through King Samuel, First and Second Samuel, and the book of Kings. You really need to know the story. If you don't know the story, it's going to be hard for you. But the story is there were always those who said, don't listen to these prophets sent from God, or at least they're not giving a true message. There were always those who, perhaps for genuine reasons, because they found the message of God's warnings and everything a bit wearisome, and let's be honest, you think, well, you can't keep going on like that. People will get fed up listening to that. Let's hear, listen to something a bit more cheery. There were people like that who would then say, well, come on, let's tone this down a bit. Let's not be so strident, so extreme. 
And then there were others who ingratiated themselves with the king and with the politics of the royal court and with everything that was going on and brought in a word that was convenient to them, more palatable to them and to their dealings and whatever else. And then there were those who had a very different agenda, those who actually had already given themselves over to the pagan deities that were worshipped round the, in the nations round about and who had an agenda to bring those, that pagan worship into the very heart of Israel's life and to the life of the people of God. For those reasons and for more, there were always those who would come along and say, look, things aren't as bad as you think. So, for instance, the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet of God, and he paid a hard price for being the true prophet of God. He was thrown in jail. He was threatened with death, and different things happened to him because he broke God's word. But Jeremiah, for instance brings this challenge. From the least to the greatest, Jeremiah 6, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. And then in Jeremiah chapter 28, we have a particular scenario, the very situation that Ezekiel is speaking about. There we are, Ezekiel's in Babylon, Jeremiah's in Jerusalem, hundreds of miles apart, no internet, no postage, no way of communicating, apart from the occasional person that they'd be journeyed between. And yet these two men, in very distinctive and different settings, were bringing the same word of God. The warning that those who were saying there was peace were actually telling lies. And so the Jeremiah chapter 28, we have the prophet Hananiah. And he comes along and he brings supposedly a word from God to the king, to the puppet king put in place by Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah 28, verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here and took it to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the other exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord. For I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Now, that's a very attractive message. Things are going to get better. Everything's going to get sorted out. All the things we've lost are going to come back. And it's all going to be sorted. You can understand how that was a popular message. And then along comes Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, verse 5. And he replies to the prophet Hananiah. And to all the priests and Ebdales who's standing in the house of the Lord, he says, well, amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied by bringing the articles of the Lord's house and all the exiles back to this place from Babylon. He's not wanting to say, oh, but great when the place is in a mess. He's not saying that. Nevertheless, he says, listen to what I have to say to you in your hearing and the hearing of all the peoples. From early times, the prophets who preceded you and me have prophesied war disaster and plague against many countries and great kingdoms. 
But the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his prediction comes true. The prophet Hananiah takes the yoke off the neck took the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah and broke it. And he said before all the people, this is what the Lord says, in the same way I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off the neck of all the nations within two years. At this the prophet Jeremiah went in his way. After the prophet Hanani had broken the yoke of the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, go and tell Hananiah, this is what the Lord says, you have broken a wooden yoke, but in its place you will get a yoke of iron. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will put an iron yoke in the necks of all these nations to make them serve Nebuchadnezzar, kings of Babylon, and they will serve him. I will even give him control over the wild animals. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. Therefore, this is what the Lord says, I am about to remove you from the face of the earth. This very year you are going to die because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. And in the seventh month of that same year, Hananiah the prophet died. A lengthy context. I appreciate that. But one that is vital. Not only to understand what Ezekiel has to say to us, God's warning against these false prophets. But you see, my friends, this is not something purely connected or only relevant to a long, distant past. Down through the ages, the people of God have been warned against and have been troubled by false prophets. Jesus himself and the apostles warn against false prophets. We are called to test the prophets, and to test them above everything else with the whole story of Scripture as the Spirit of God gives us wisdom and understanding. And in recent times, and when we say recent times, I mean within the last 30 or so years, there has been a whole stirring up of prophecy generally within the life of the church. Maybe more than 30 years, maybe the last 50 years. I'm getting old. What seemed to be just 30 years ago, just the other year, is now 50, isn't it, Colin? Back, say, in the 60s and 70s, and the whole charismatic movement and everything else, and many good and worthy things, of course, have come from that, especially the emphasis on the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit. But in the midst of all of that, there has been many words given. How often, perhaps those of us who are aware of these things, have words been given by prophets to the church. Even just at the beginning of last year, prior to the outbreak of COVID, Elizabeth attended a conference in her work with Scripture Union. A conference led by a movement which again very commendably invites people and calls people to pray for Scotland. And yet even at that conference, things were said which basically very similar to what Hananiah said. The false prophets of Judah said, basically, don't worry. Revival's just round the corner. Any minute now, the, the challenges we face and the circumstances that we're concerned about are going to be transformed by a mighty moving of the Spirit of God. My friends, I've been listening to that for 30 or 40 years. 
And just recently, just the other week, there a dear friend within the fellowship. Very understandably so. It's certainly not a criticism of him or indeed perhaps the person that passed on this prayer. But I'm going to read a prayer to you. This was sent to me and I was commended and encouraged by, not by the, the person in the church who sent it to me, by, but, but the originator of the prayer to pass it on to 10 other people. I'm going to read it to you. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, speak and declare healing over all the nations of the world. We are standing and trusting in your promises. No plague shall come near your dwellings. That's a quote from the book of Exodus, the story of the Passover. Heal us by your stripes. We are healed. And that's a quote from Isaiah 53. I didn't tell you that. I, had, I looked that up. Touch the minds and hearts of our leaders to implement the counsel of God for the nations. Whatever the devil has planned against the nations is cut off in Jesus' name. Father, we call upon you to deliver the world so that you will be glorified. We humbly ask that your will will be done. We are praying this special blessing over the ones that are reading this prayer and are passing it on to others. I declare and decree victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory be to God. Now, I appreciate you're just sitting at home and listening to this, and it's maybe not easy to follow. The opening paragraph, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Well, are we not invited to pray in the name of Jesus? I pray, speak, and declare healing over all the nations of the world. Well, as soon as I read that, of course, like Jeremiah when he was in front of the king, of course we don't want to see people killed by a plague. Of course we don't want to see the world torn apart by war and strife and injustice and economic insecurity. Of course not. We do not delight in these things. But I, to pray, to speak, and to declare healing over the nations, who am I to do that? The Bible is very clear. Jesus is very clear. That in the latter days, the days from his ascension to the days he returned, these very things, plagues and wars and rumors of wars and everything else, will be part and parcel of life. And there is no suggestion from what Jesus said that somehow or another these things are going to be removed or replaced or somehow renounced until the day when he comes in glory and power. We are standing and trusting in your promises. But what are those promises? The quote from the book of Exodus is a promise for the people of Israel at the time of the Passover. That they, they took the blood of the lamb and smeared over the lintels of their house. God's Passover angel of death would pass over their house. At best, it's a promise of God's saving of his people who shelter under the blood of the lamb. It certainly isn't a promise to be used as a whitewash, notice that careful use of that word, as a whitewash over the sins or calamities or disasters of the world. Heal us by your stripes, we are healed. And yes, that suffering servant in Isaiah 53 has given his life. There will be that new heaven and new earth. There is that healing above everything else, that healing of the sin-sicked 
soul. But apart from anything else and the practical realities of the life of faith, what does that say if we're claiming that those who are Christians are all to be physically healed, whether it's from COVID or from any other disaster, what does that say to the Christians who aren't? One of our dear friends and sisters in the church just before Christmas told me of a tragic story of a Christian couple in their 50s. A fellow who was very dedicated and devoted to the life of his congregation. A couple who were very dedicated. And the poor woman herself, just in her 50s, was showing signs of the onset of pre-senile dementia. They have a, a member of the family who has severe learning difficulties. They, the couple, both took COVID. They ended up in hospital. And this man, upon which the family depended so much, died with COVID. Why was he not healed by the stripes of Jesus? Touch the minds and hearts of our leaders to implement the counsel of God for the nations. Well, certainly we should pray that. And whatever the devil has planned against the nations is cut off in Jesus' name. Well, we live in a day where the sovereign God has, in a sense, given our world over to the principalities and powers, the devil. But we're also told that there is one who is sovereign over all his works. And there is a mystery about that, and I've often said that in recent days, there is a mystery about that that we have to be very careful before we pronounce too specifically about. Father, we call upon you to deliver the world. Well, yes, we do. Amen. Lord Jesus, amen, said John in the book of Revelation, waiting for that day when he will come and deliver the world. We humbly ask that your will be done, yes. And we're praying this special blessing over the ones that are reading this prayer and are passing on to others. What well, about those of us, including myself and the rest of the men in the men's group, who didn't feel we could either do the prayer or pass it on? And Colin and I were just speaking about that earlier. Somehow we out of blessing now, and perhaps even under a curse. I declare and decree victory in Jesus' name. Who am I to do that when that victory has already been won? But the one who died and rose again is now the right hand of the Father and who said all authority has been given to me. Do you see the point? Well-intentioned. A vital message to needy people at a fragile time. And yet I would have to humbly tell you, deceitfully wrong and dangerous. And those white-washed walls, and that again reminds us of Jesus and the Pharisees who like to pretend of how righteous they were and how they whitewashed everything when inside they were rotten cups. Those white-washed walls will not stand and do not stand the test of time when the violent winds and the hailstones come forth. We're going to draw to a close. I thought this. That's only the first point of the sermon, Colin. <laughs> so we're going to draw to a close there. But it's a vital point. We read these stories in the book of Ezekiel. We live in a society where there is so much fake news. My friends, please, I urge you, do not be naive and believe everything you hear from everybody. Not only is that a denial of having the mind of Christ and a God-given mind yourself, 
but it's also very dangerous. Do think. Be like that man. And as I say, brother, friend, if that was you online listening to this, thank you. Be like that man. Ask questions. Think for yourself. You have the mind of Christ. You've been given the counsel of God. The Spirit of God lives within you. And we, the church of God, and that's why it's so serious, and we'll see that over the next few Sundays, that's why it's so serious a charge against the leaders of the church, the same charge that Ezekiel's making against the leaders of God's people, when we fail to bring God's word clearly to the nations. Because blood is on our hands. We have failed to testify to what is true in the midst of the half-truths and the truth deniers and those who would seek to lead people astray. Just look at what happened in the United States and the whole QAnon movement and how believers there were caught up and carried along and were even having a prayer meeting in the midst of when the capital was being um, damaged and being invaded because they believe a particular understanding of the truth. No wonder Jesus asked Pilate what is truth. And such a confusing time, which has always been the case, how we need to listen to the counsel of God. How we need to guard ourselves against perhaps well-meaning false prophets or those who have quite a deliberate agenda to push something which is ultimately evil and wrong. We need ears to hear. We need hearts and minds that are open to his word. And you know what was interesting from our conversation last week? As I listened, as we reflected, and yes, as I shared my agreement with him about some concerns that he had about certain things, he looked at me, just an ordinary guy, a kind of guy I would love to see in the church, and said to me, are you a minister? Do you, you work from there? And I said, yes. He went, and smiled. Stuck in our ivory temples or on the street where people are. Here, mouthing pious platitudes, peace, peace, or in the real world, bringing the wisdom of God to bear to the real issues of our time. I know, my friends, where I would rather be. Amen. And we will pick up on this next Sunday. We're going to hear a hymn now. That's a hymn invoking and calling upon God, the Lord of the church, to revive and to renew his people. Let's pray together. Lord of the church, we pray for our renewing. Not primarily so that we will get it right, but so that you will be glorified, your kingdom revealed. And those who are asking will find answers. Those who are seeking 
will meet with the truth. And those who are knocking will find not closed doors, but the very door of heaven open. That's our prayer for our community. That's our prayer for perhaps people we're living beside and have dealings with. Even in the challenges of this present time, Lord, help us to look up and look out. For families, it was interesting this past couple of weeks, our church hall has been used a couple of mornings to be a place where parents could come to receive um, teaching aids for their children. And just even chatting to them as they came in to the hall and then hearing them chat with some people inside, not standing for hours blethering, but just in conversation. Then even Stuart McClelland, our own manager, spoke with them as they left and went home. And just seeing that need for community and that need for a listening place and that need to come together. Lord, how we ask that even in a small way as a church we were able to provide that service to our community, especially to families and to those who are struggling with school teaching at home at the present time. I think of one gran who was saying that she was having to teach her grandson fractions. Lord, we do pray for our community. We pray for these people who have come through this door. Thank you for that privilege of doing that. Thank you for the warm response that there was and the warm response they received from us. For the conversations in the past that Karen and others have had at the school gate. For the conversations that we have perhaps over the counter or at our local shops or with a neighbour over a fence or on the street. Or a chat. And WhatsApp, FaceTiming. Even the ministers got into all of that. Oh God our Father, give us these opportunities we pray. That in these days, as there have been days ever since the dawn of time when the devil, the father of all lies, started his work. In these days of half-truths and distortions and speculations and all sorts of things, enable us to be harbingers, messengers of Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Help us to get into our Bibles. Even if these sermons provoke some of us to read these parts of the Old Testament that we've kept shut for years. Then forgive us for doing that and stir our hearts to read. And stir our hearts to ask questions. To seek answers. To be open to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not abstract theories, but dynamic truths for our life and for this generation. And for the days in which we live. So, Lord, we pray for the renewing of your church. We thank you for what some of us may be heard this morning, or some of us will hear later of the Chinese church within our own country here, largely drawn from the Hong Kong community. We thank you for them and for their faithfulness. I think many years back to when I was at university doing my course in personnel management, sitting beside Ken, a Chinese Malay, who was asking questions, who was asking and seeking right away. I could see that. 
the way in which you brought him to faith, the way in which the Chinese Christian Fellowship in Glasgow and the Chinese Church in Glasgow welcomed him, the way in which over a matter of a few months he was discipled in the ways of Jesus and Lord for him. And others like him who have left this land and returned often to very trying circumstances, but who love the Lord. Guard them, guide them, especially at the present time in Hong Kong and in mainland China. And give them wisdom as to how to live in these days. The days of great political and social turmoil. And bless your church, that part of your church here. May it continue to be a beacon of light and hope, of love and care amongst their own communities. We pray. In the quietness now we gather, our own thoughts, people, circumstances that are on our hearts at this present time. We gather them before you. Lord Jesus Christ, hear us as we pray. And hear us as we sum up all our prayers, both spoken and unspoken. In the words of that family prayer, as we say it, just sitting in our own homes or wherever we are listening to this message, as we say together the words of the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.